Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I'm your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist, and this is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy. Today in episode 35, a sanity quickie entitled Off-the-Cuff Thoughts About Stoicism and Fate. I'm going to hand the microphone over to my good friend, Captain Jack. Little did he know when I asked him a question based on the resource from my last episode. It's a podcast that was called Take It Like a Stoic, Coping in the Time of Coronavirus. It's on CBC Radio. When I listened to that episode, I had some questions about fate as it related to stoicism. So I asked my friend, Captain Jack, his thoughts about a possible stoic response to the place of fate in our unfolding lives. He sent me a file and it was it was a personal file, but as I listened to it, I, I was I was just drawn in and really it really resonated, it really struck a chord with me. And so I decided to do uh, some editing. I cut about 25 to 30 percent of the material out because some of it's personal and private but there's a core there that i just think is really interesting and so i decided to with his permission turn it into a uh, episode so without further ado i hand it over to captain jack steve top of the morning i've been just putzing around here read some marcus Aurelius. Oh, wait a minute. That reminds me, Steve. There was a piece of Marcus Aurelius that I wanted to read you. It was about, we were talking about fatalism. It had to do with fatalism. That was it. Yes. Now, fatalism just in the, the fatum means given in Latin. And so fate means not a bad thing. It doesn't mean fatal like, you know, the car is going to crash and you're going to die. Fatal, I think in, in modern English now means death. But the way the Stoics use it, fate means the given realities of life, right? So your life plan, the providence of your life plan is out of your control in the sense that you didn't cause yourself to be born and you will not cause yourself to die. I mean, you can, I guess, suicide, but um, you're borrowing your body, so to speak, and the gods have the divine plan. But that's not the same as knowing your fate. You know what I mean? It's just, there's no sense. And so I think it's a psychological thing. I think rather than sort of, well, what does that actually mean? You know, do we have participation in fate? Do we know fate? Do we, instead of understanding the concept, because I know that Stoic philosophy is about how to live a happy life, the consequences, and here's where pragmatism comes in, the consequences are more important than the details of the program, right? So in other words, what does fate mean? You know, are there contradictions in it? Um, I don't, it's the saying that I don't think it's realistic. Those I don't think are important questions. The important question is, if I accept that my life is fated, does it help me live uh, a good life? And if you accept that, then there's sort of two ways to go, right? Either A, it's fate, so I'm going to just sit on my ass and do nothing, or B, it's fate, therefore I'm not going to worry about what happens, I'm not going to worry about my decisions. Um, And I think therein lies the proof of the pudding, the cash value of the truth. Is it true? Truth comes out in the working of the truth, right? So I wouldn't really, you know, go to a whole great lengths of trying to articulate exactly the stoic program of what fate means. And they didn't either. 
but instead sort of understand how that can help us to alleviate anxiety in our lives. And I think the way to, to come at that, the way to the takeaway from that concept is to trust the fact that things are what they are. Trust the fact that there is a plan, but here's the catch. You don't know the plan, but you can trust the fact that you can make your best decisions based on, you know, the cards that you currently have in your hand. And the best you can possibly do is to make rational choices. But at the end of the day, if things don't work out, you don't have to wig out because there's an element of fate. So you just do the best you can. And I think at the end of the day, it boils down to that. And there's, there's strength in that. There's strength in the fact that, you know, it's the same concept as, you know, Jesus is my buddy, right? Or God's watching out, divine providence. However you want to spin it, it's sort of like I'm not walking this path alone. That things are meant to be, which means that I'm significant. It means that I'm significant in relation to the universe because the universe has a plan for me. And so even if things get really shitty, I can have faith in the fact that, hey, man, it's part of a plan rather than the anxiety of, Every day is chaos. <clears throat> Every day lacks meaning. Like Sartre said, right? Existentialism. Existentialism, I think, is just the starting point of philosophical inquiry. All existentialism does is to put you in a sense of wonder if you really take it seriously, right? It's to put you in a place where you suspend your opinions and where you're slapped in the face to look right at the abyss and say, I'm going to make you into something that I can deal with. And one way is to say that there is a, such a thing as a destiny or a God, right? There is a fate. And all of a sudden, bam, I'm not alone in the universe. I'm part of something big. Bada boom, bada bing. You know, when even when animals are absolute dogs, when they're left alone, they go freaking nuts. We are social creatures, not just social among ourselves, social with the universe. We literally need to create, and this is where Heidegger goes with worlds and stuff, right? We literally need to create worlds of meaning. So it starts with existentialism, where we realize that we are nothing. Okay, next, throw some Heidegger. We've got to go ahead and, and make a clearing where we can exist. And that's our world. And our world is a construct of meaning and culture and philosophical systems. And then we accept one of those bad boys. And I would go maybe Kierkegaard on this one, in that we accept the one that makes ascetic sense to us. The one that just shines as a little bit more beautiful for some reason. Not a logical reason. You, Steve, are drawn to Buddhism. I am drawn to Western philosophy. At the end of the day, we were talking about how similar Stoicism, Christianity, and Buddhism are. You have no stomach for Christianity. I'm not the biggest fan of Buddhism. But at the end of the day, the systems are not that different. But they speak to us in different ways. We accept them. We try to apply them. We live our lives in the best way that we can. Now, if you really push the philosophical systems, are there contradictions, paradoxes, and weirdnesses? Absolutely. But it doesn't matter because throwing James on at the very end here, it's all about how it works. There's no sense questioning too deeply the logic of fate and how it plays out as an idea in itself. You roll with it, right? It's sort of like you take your life and you say, hey, this is what I'm going to do um, because it gives me meaning. The circumstances will come. And so I think that would be the stoic concept of fate. The comfort comes in the fact that there is a fate, but you don't know it completely. 
But what is your natural mission? Your natural mission is to be virtuous, to develop yourself. If we want to go with Christ, right? It's you develop your talents. You don't bury them in a hole. So you do what the universe says that you are supposed to do. And what are you supposed to do as a man? You're supposed to be a good citizen, a good father. You're supposed to develop your talents. You know. So what do you do? You discover that you like making podcasts and you make the podcast as best you can. And in every one, you are as virtuous and putting your talents in as best you possibly can. And what happens, happens. Because I think there's also, when we understand humility and or providence and fate, there's also a sort of idea of existential humility where we realize that we don't know everything, so it's okay. So I I am not so proud that I'm in charge of every second of my life. Therefore, I don't have to have the anxiety of the responsibility of meaning for every second of the life. It's not. So in other words, is there random chaos in the universe? No. Because if there's random chaos in the universe, that means that I'm on the hook, not only for my own happiness and everything, but also for the whole way the universe works. Now I'm on the hook for that. Um, I'm owed an answer. But if I just accept an answer, I'm good to go. I can move past that and get on to things. Okay, I didn't mean to like go off there, Steve, but I do, since this is in my mind, I am going to read you from Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. Here it is. This is from Book 2, Aphorism 3. The works of the gods are full of providence. The works of chance are not divorced from nature or from the spinning and weaving together of those things which are governed by providence. Thence everything flows. There is also necessity and what is beneficial to the whole ordered universe of which you are a part. That which is brought by nature of the whole and preserves it is good for every part. As do changes in the elements, so changes in their compounds preserve the ordered universe. That should be enough for you. These should ever be your beliefs. Cast out the thirst for books that you may not die growling, but with too graciousness and grateful to the gods from the heart. Peace. Well, thank you, Captain Jack, for sharing those thoughts and allowing me with your consent to share it with uh, my listening audience. As always, the conversation is ongoing and continuous. Thank you for joining us at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I look forward to our next meeting of minds. Salutations, peace, and be well.